Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All I knew was where it was going to be placed sure. and, and a rough idea of what the story was. Mm. But no script. So I, I sort of jumped in at the deep end, you know, mm. not knowing really what I was jumping into. And when I got the first script and I opened it and there was that scene, mm. I thought, oh my God. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Awardist, where we are chatting with the actors, creators, and more who are contenders this year, and, of course, breaking down the state of the 2023 Emmys race. I'm Entertainment Weekly Executive Editor Jared Hall, and I'm so excited to be welcoming back to the podcast with me this week, EW critic Kristen Baldwin. Hello, long time no talk on here. I know, although it does feel like it was just yesterday that the Emmys race (laughs) was ending, and here we are. (laughs) That is so true. September, really, it it wasn't that long ago, and yet it was. Uh, mm. What is time anymore, of course? Uh, but here, let me fill everyone in on who we have this week. We have two interviews for you. You will want to listen to this entire episode because they're so great. Uh, up first will be 1923 star uh, Helen Mirren. She's, of course, an Oscar winner and a four-time Emmy winner. Uh, I mean, she really can do no wrong. And then later we'll have the stars of the CBS comedy Ghost, Utkarsh Ambedkar and Rose McIver. All right. So, Kristen, let's um, I want to ask you first about um, Helen Mirren in 1923. I know you watched that series, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know you prior to, to be into the Yellowstone <laughs> universe. Was this your entry into it? No, it wasn't. My entry into okay. it was catching like the middle of Yellowstone season four on a marathon, oh. you know. One Saturday, <laughs> yep. and then like a couple months later, catching a different point of season four on a marathon, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And eventually, yeah. I was like, All right, I'm gonna go back and watch from the beginning. And then, uh, I did want to try this one out. I, I wasn't gonna go back and watch uh, 1891, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, I'll just start this new one. And the first one I really enjoyed, so I kept with it. And I, I think, you know, obviously, Helen Mirren is great, especially. Mm. With uh, Harrison Ford, they make for a believable and really, you know, just fun uh, sort of uh, no-nonsense couple. And you you believe them as uh, these tough and very loving, Mm. but uh, tough and independent, uh, you know, frontiers people. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure it certainly helps that they, you know, worked together decades ago mm-hmm. in a movie. So they had that uh they had that working relationship and and knew the other uh so they could kind of slip into this husband wife role again. Um but this this series um you know, having watched 1883 and then 1923, I will say like what Taylor Sheridan is uh doing here is is really incredible stuff. Um when I was watching 1923, I probably knew this but I forgot that it is a drama series not limited like mm-hmm. 1883 was where 1883 told its story, it was done, but 1923 carried on. Uh, and as we were getting toward the end of the season, I was like, boy, they got a lot to wrap up here. How are they going to do that? <laughs> well, they'll do it in season two, of right. course, Jared. Exactly. Um, but uh, because there are three different storylines going on uh, in this series, and um, 
one in particular, I, I'd love for you to talk a bit about uh, the folks you you interviewed about that storyline. Uh, the the indigenous people who, uh, especially the young women who are mm. essentially kidnapped, kidnapped taken yeah. from their homes and, and put in these um, reform schools, boarding schools, whatever you want to call them. Um, it, it's it's some really horrible conditions they're in, to be honest. Yeah, and it's you know all based in fact and history that you know the government uh, did this and they put them in these federally uh, funded run schools, often by religious organizations. In this case, it was you know a Catholic school, and the the purpose was to quote unquote integrate them and you know sort of uh, remove every, every and any trace of their Native American heritage to make them you know, quote unquote American. And, uh, cause they were considered evil people. Yes. The, that they it's were, wild. you know, yeah. uh, savages, et cetera. And yeah. so, you know, they're taught to be, uh, Americans. They can't speak their language. They can't, you know, celebrate any of their, uh, holidays or rituals or anything. So the story in, in 1923 with Tiona, uh, who's there with her cousin, uh, and she escapes after enduring, you know, insane abuse, which again, very realistic. Um, but I spoke to Amina Nieves, who plays Tiona about this, role and bringing this to light uh, in this story, uh, as well as Mo Brings Plenty, who is uh, on Yellowstone uh, as Mo, but he is the Native American uh, consultant on uh, both Yellowstone and 1923. So he, you know, shared some of his experiences in not necessarily a boarding school, but he he had similarly unpleasant uh, and awful experiences at a, at a religious school as well. So I think it's, they told this really intense and, and difficult story, but it was, it was kind of the storyline I looked forward to the most every week because I wanted to see, I was rooting for Tiana. I was like, I, she's got to get out of there. Oh, and you know, then we also got a little Michael Gray Eyes action, uh, who yeah. is a, a shepherd who helps her and I love him, so. Yeah, they're all fantastic. I agree with you. That storyline in particular, as as brutal as it was to watch, mm-hmm. and I was often cringing and and mm. looking away at certain scenes. It um, that was the point, um, and <laughs> yeah. it was it was handled so well. Um, and and I cannot wait to see where that goes in season two. Um, Helen Marin, she and I talked a bit about that, and and you know she she thought that it was just a, a wonderful element of the series that uh, she's not part of any of those scenes, no, but she was not thrilled yet. to not yet, see. Great, I'm excited great, to see great. how those. Not I yet. feel like mm-hmm. I feel like eventually those paths will cross. Uh, but we'll yeah, see. worlds we'll see. are going to collide. I think. Yeah, uh, but she she you know that that's part of the reason why she wanted to be. I think part of this is because of all the stories that Taylor Sheridan was was telling and and yeah. bringing these stories to light. Uh, yeah, not great parts of American history, but alas, they are, and and uh, we need to keep telling those stories. Um, so let's talk a bit about Helen Mirren because she finds herself in the lead actress in a drama series race this year. Uh, to to back up a bit, last year's winner was Zendaya. That was her second win for Euphoria, but she's not in the mix this year because we don't have season three yet. Mm. Um, so here's a little sampling of uh, people uh, who who voters are considering. In addition to Helen Mirren, we have a few folks from Yellow Jackets, Melanie Linsky, Juliette Lewis, and Tani Cypress, Bella Ramsey from The Last of Us, The Handmaid's Tale star Elizabeth Moss, uh, season five Queen Elizabeth II, 
Imelda Staunton, Emma Darcy from House of the Dragon, Betty Gilpin in Mrs. Davis, Sharon Horgan for Bad Sisters, Yellowstone star Kelly Riley, Lizzie Kaplan for Fatal Attraction, Christine Baranski in the Gone But Not Forgotten, The Good Fight, Hillary Swank in Alaska Daily, Carrie Russell, The Diplomat, Brandy Evans, P-Valley. There are so many. Mm. Um, but here's what I, I will say. I think Melanie Linsky, Bella Ramsey, and probably Emma Darcy seem like the best bets to me. Yeah. I would probably also say Helen Mirren will be nominated and I guess Amelda Staunton for The Crown because pretty much every, you know, right. actor in that show gets nominated. All of the, you know, the two previous queens certainly have. Yeah. And, you know, she's very good in The Crown and uh, it would it's not. Uh, and it's something that I think voters who maybe haven't seen everything, you know, they can easily sort of look at and be like, oh, Crown, you can't go around voting for The Crown. Uh, I am really hoping that uh, Betty Gilpin, who uh, is starting to bubble up now that Mrs. Davis on Peacock has uh, has been released, that she is starts gaining some momentum in the conversation because she's incredible. I mean, the one thing that's weird about it is Mrs. Davis is is really, really funny. It's a very emotional and uh, and moving show as well. But like, it's a, a I, I feel that it's weird that it's competing in drama. I wish there was a dramedy category just simply because it's very, very funny as well. And I think it's hard uh, for a, a, a performer who is doing a, a role that spans both genres so consistently, like, how do you go up against you know, uh, I mean, you know, Yellow Jackets has funny moments too and things like that, but there's just, you know, you're up against much more serious things. Um, the same could be said for Sharon Horgan. Um, Bad Sisters will be competing in drama, but I think it, if there was a dramedy category, it would be more, uh, uh, you know, appropriate. Right. Okay. So let's talk about that for a quick second here, because it is a conversation that I brought up, uh, a topic I brought up last week in my conversation with Patrick Gomez on this very podcast. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, while uh, while he did say he's in favor of creating a new category for uh, variety and sketch performers, get them out of the traditional comedy sure, I agree category, with that too. because, yeah, because yeah, they, they play so many different characters in one episode of a show versus all of these other actors who live with a character for many episodes. Episodes. He uh, does not think we should create a new category and have drama, comedy, dramedy. But I don't know, Kristen. I think I might be with you on this. I guess right now, just my thought is there obviously would be way fewer um, eligible shows. I, don't I suppose know. I don't know. But I, I know. But, I, mean, I know. That's I keep going and back have, and forth. You have I have been talking about this, you know, before the Emmy season begins, you know, and you start thinking about who you're rooting for, who you want to talk about. You know, you gotta send a zillion emails and say, like, hey, can you tell me is this show being submitted in drama or comedy? Because it literally could be either. And the reason I think the reason I think that it would be beneficial is just because something like Barry. Barry is a show that was much more comedy, but over the seasons has become very dramatic in addition to being very funny. And so I think it, A, if you are a show that's up against Barry and you're seeing Bill Hader do this incredible dramatic work as part of it, and then he wins, you know, I can see creators and people and in, in, in performers being like, that's not really fair. It's not really a comedy. Whereas I think Barry could be penalized by voters saying, well, you know, it's more of a drama than a comedy. And so does that mean it's not good? No, it's incredible. It's one of the best shows on the air. So I, I think there are enough uh, 
shows that would fall into this category uh, that we could have a, a you know, if there are enough freaking TV movies and, you know, whatever else, like <laughs> yeah. it's time to create a dramedy character yeah. category so that, so that shows don't have to choose when they really are sort of straight down the middle, both drama and comedy. Right. It's odd to me that Barry competes against Abbott Elementary and Mm -hmm. Only Murders in the Building. Yes. Which, you know, those are like straightforward comedies. Meanwhile, like Barry is like, you know, opening up its characters' souls and burying them. And, you know, there's (laughs) violence and and incredible, profound moments, as well as being really, really funny. So... We'll see. I, I would imagine that there are plenty of reasons why uh, people would be against this, not all of which I can claim to know, but I'm sure it's more complicated than just let's start a dramedy category. Indeed. We'll we'll stay on the TV Academy about that. Okay, uh, back to, well, before we move on to my next question, anyone else in the uh, lead actress in a drama category you want to highlight? Well, this is uh, this is a question. A suggestion, and I'm not 100% sure if this show Mm -hmm. is going to submit. It is clearly a drama. It ended on a cliffhanger, but then it was canceled. So it's possible that they could submit it as a limited series, even though it was never intended to be. And that's um, Kindred. FX on Hulu, which was the adaptation of the Octavia Spencer novel. And Mallory Mother Effing Johnson, the lead of that, was just incredible performance. She plays uh, a young adult Black woman who uh, is living in modern times and then is suddenly violently pulled back into the, into slavery uh, in the era and has to, you know, she's sort of, it's out of her control when she goes back and forth. And uh, it's, it's just a really profound and incredibly well done uh, adaptation of the book. And I was really very annoyed that FX on Hulu canceled it or Hulu or whoever we blame for that. Right. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I would say, I guess I hope they submit it for a limited series just so that uh, perhaps she could have a little bit more of a chance. Okay. All right. Uh, so folks, get, get your eyes on that one. Um, okay. So we still have uh, five or six weeks left before the end of the elig- eligibility window uh, and a lot of shows still to come. Um, what in particular are you looking forward to? Well, I am currently in the midst of watching uh, Fatal Attraction. Um, oh, yeah. The uh, review embargo hasn't lifted, uh, so I won't Ooh. give you any more other than, like, <laughs> Lizzie Kaplan should and really should <laughs> get a, mm-hmm. an Emmy nomination again, unless they're submitting this as limited series. I mean, uh, well, I mean, she could be either be leading a drama or she could be uh, actress right. in a limited series. She's incredible. Yeah. Um, Which in limited series, she'd be competing with herself, I think, for Fleischman is in trouble. Ah, uh, so yes. That there's would also be that really... little hiccup, too. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, embarrassment of riches. Uh, yeah. White House Plumbers, which is the show from mm-hmm. Armando Iannucci, right? Uh, from Veep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Woody Harrelson, Justin Theroux. I would imagine that's going to have some uh, interesting performances. I've started watching Queen Charlotte, which I know Bridgerton, you know, is not like racking up uh, sort of the acting awards, but I do think the young woman who plays young Queen Charlotte, India Amartifio, I hope I'm saying that right. She's really quite good, as is uh, the regular actress who plays uh, Queen Charlotte on uh, on the show. So on Bridgerton. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I do, uh, I think those should be interesting. 
We've got Love and Death coming, another Candy Montgomery story. That's uh, Elizabeth Olsen as the notorious suburban axe murderer. I think, you know, she'll probably get a nomination just simply because she's playing a suburban, notorious suburban axe murderer who really existed and they love, uh, the voters love true crime. And finally, you know, Muppets Mayhem. Who knows? Maybe Janice will finally get a Best Actress in a Comedy nomination. (laughs) Um, Could you imagine? Oh, I'd love that. (laughs) Totally agree, man. Um, At the very least, maybe they could be uh, considered for comedy. Yeah, well, and that's a whole other question, you know, Janice and that that uh, you know actor, the the puppeteer, the the voice mm-hmm. behind, because maybe would they be considered in the voice performance category? Probably, I don't even know yeah. how that would that's work. That's a that's an excellent question. I would I would think so, but I'm not, you know, I'm not sure if uh, if that counts as voiceover or, or however they categorize it. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Well, screw it. Give Janice the lead nomination. Give it. She's sure. deserved she deserves it for it. years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So you, uh, I know you already kind of advocated for a few folks, but is there anyone else before we go to commercial break that you think ought to get a nod? In any category or in, in this In ca- any category. <sighs> oh my God. There's so many, but I'm just going to, I'm going to start <laughs> the, I'm going to, I'll save some of them for later, but I'm going to start sure. the, the drum beat now. Racy Horn. This is their last oh. chance. Last chance. Last indeed. chance to get it right, Academy. So, yeah. uh, you know, because the, the second half of the final season of Better Call Saul falls within this eligibility period. She was nominated before but did not win. So let's make it happen. These last six episodes, oh boy, Ugh. she had some, I mean, she's always had great work, but I think in particular in those last six, coming off of the, what happened in the episode just before, uh, mm-hmm. at the end of episode six, and then getting into episode seven, holy cow, uh, and and then the, the, the scene where they split, and then visiting him again, it, she has incredible I mean, work. Just um, Google Kim Wexler bus ride, if you haven't seen yes. it, and just, that oh. is... Give it to her. Just give her the Emmy. Just give it to her. So good. Why have any other nominees? I'm there with you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, it's my interview with Helen Mirren. The awardist will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Awardist. You know and love her for her Oscar-winning performance as Queen Elizabeth II in The Queen and for so many other things. I mean, my gosh, you guys, she's in the Fast and Furious franchise now. Uh, So let's get to it. It's my interview with 1923 star Helen Mirren. Helen Marin, thank you so much for joining us uh, for for the Awardist podcast. It's a it's a great pleasure to have you. You know, I have to say, um, my very first I call it my real interview ever was with you for the Queen in fall 2006. My first junket interview ever. Really, really. I yes. hope I was nice. <laughs> you absolutely were. You were indeed. Because one yeah. isn't always nice. <laughs> no, I know those junket settings are uh, can be. Towards the 44th interview, you start getting exactly. short in your answers. 
I do think I was later in the day for you, but uh, but you、yeah. were wonderful. You were nice. You put me at ease. So I, I do have to thank you for、oh, that very、good. much. So yeah,、uh, what what do you remember most <laughs> about that that award season, or just even being at the Oscars that year? Oh goodness, it's such an incredible experience. The whole thing, and as you say, it's a whole season of、mm-hmm. of one award, you know,、um, uh, ceremony after another. And、um, if you're up for best actress, which I was, you you always come at the end of the evening. Right. So you're sitting. You can't drink. You know. <laughs> you can't eat because your dress is too uncomfortable. Some of them are really long, and、um, so it, it's quite a、uh, you know it's quite a、uh, an epic journey really,、mm-hmm. and and you tend to because. Because you're constantly being asked about yourself and about you know, the role and yourself, and you you get you feel like you're like you're on this mad sort of merry-go-round that's going faster and faster and faster. That is somehow all constantly about you, and it、mm. it, it becomes very wearing, I'd say,、mm. after a while. And then of of course it culminates in that beautiful. Extraordinary, you know, ceremony of、mm-hmm. of the Oscars. It is so extreme. It's so iconic. It's so legendary. And to find yourself there in the middle of it all is、um, it is sort of exciting and terrifying, and、um, and that feeling of. This is the pinnacle.、Mm-hmm. The only way from here is down. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it's that other feeling、yeah. you get. So、um, the whole thing is is I'm so grateful that I had the experience of going through it.、Mm. Well, we、uh, hopefully this Emmy season is a is a leisurely merry-go-round, and <laughs> it's not too much of a a whirlwind for you.、Uh, speaking of Emmys, your your first, if my research serves me correctly here, you won your first a year before the Oscar, nineteen ninety six for Prime Suspect. Yes,、uh, I think that's true. Yeah,、yes. Jane Tennyson.、Uh, do do you miss her? I um. No, I don't. You know,、um, all all of these great and Jane Tennyson was a great role, but you know they come into your life and they inhabit your life for a period of time,、mm. and then you move on. It's like when you when you leave a house that you、mm. loved, but you know that it's time to move on, and、um, and you look and you walk away without looking back. As much as you love that space, it's you know it's time to move forward.、Mm-hmm. So I think that that's how I feel about Jane Tennyson, but but certainly of its era, you know, it was very groundbreaking. Yes.、Um, in the writing, the way it was、um, directed, even the cinema,、uh, the camera work was pretty groundbreaking at the time.、Um, so、um, I'm very proud that that's part of my. In my history as an、mm-hmm. actress. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> one of those shows, and even the character that、um, you know through the years, others have. Tried to emulate in their own ways, so I, I suppose that's a that's a great compliment. It, 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 there was something so yes, good about it; others it, wanted know, to try to bro- repeat it. It broke a ceiling, really、yeah. spectacularly. There was Cagney and Lacey had existed、yes. before, but that was more two women together,、mm-hmm. and it became very、um, it became very how can I put it? It became about their personal lives、right. as much as it was about their. Work as police officers, whereas this this was very orientated towards the police work, the procedural.、Mm-hmm. There had not been procedurals with a woman leading. Now there's they're all over、mm-hmm. the place. You can't get away from women being、yeah. you know leading procedurals.、Yeah. At that time, it was very groundbreaking.、Mm-hmm. So 
I'm very proud that you yeah. know, I'm a part of that history. Yeah. Indeed. Well, let's talk about the fantastic 1923 and, mm -hmm. and your wonderful character, Cara Dutton. So, of course, you, you're a Brit. She's Irish. This is an American Western. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, did, did you feel connected? And hopefully shown all over the world. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Um, but did, did you end up feeling connected to her in, in ways that you weren't expecting? Um, I think when you're going back in history, and although it's, yeah, it's 100 years ago, mm -hmm. and there are quite a few people on this planet who are 100 years old. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, it's within living history, in, in a sense. But, but at the same time, it was such a long time ago mm -hmm. in, the, in terms of what has happened since. So um, I, I think the 20th century in all over the world, but I think in, in, in the West in particular, in America, in Britain, in Europe in general, was such an unbelievably transformative century. Um, you think at the beginning of the century, we hardly had electricity, and at the end of the century, we have technology. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's an amazing leap forward in in mankind's sort of it, the way man and woman have mm -hmm. <laughs> exist on this planet. So um, it's very, very interesting to visit that era. Mm -hmm. um, as a woman, there, you know, women didn't have the vote. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, those pioneer women who were creating what we now know as America um, was such extraordinarily strong, um, brave, um, women th that achieved things that I, I, that's just beyond my comprehension, mm -hmm. really, sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and at the, at the heart of this, um, mm -hmm. this universe that Taylor Sheridan has created, it's, uh, it's so Shakespearean in its qualities, if I'm not mistaken. You have, uh, dabbled a bit in, in Shakespeare yourself. Were you able to take anything from those plays, those productions, and apply here? I think that's a very accurate description, incidentally, mm. of of the kind of material that Taylor puts on the page has a Shakespearean quality to it. But to me, the thing about Shakespeare is it's very much about humanity. Yes. Humanity yeah. in all its very extremes mm -hmm. of behavior, of extreme cruelty, of extreme passion, of extreme ambition, of extreme um, love, you know, and 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 the great pleasure in playing Shakespeare is is that amazing human recognition you have of these characters, even if you're playing Lady Macbeth, you know, which who I have played, um, you know, the ambition of Lady Macbeth, the feeling, her her, her feeling that her husband is the right person mm -hmm. to do this, and she's right. Mm -hmm. But the method she goes about to achieve it is completely wrong, and mm -hmm. she play, pays a huge price for it, mm -hmm. um, which is a very um, understandable human, you know, condition. If you look at the politics of today, it's it, you know you can see uh, equivalences all over mm -hmm. the place. So I think that's what Taylor is doing. It seems extreme, but it's not. It's very um, attached to reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the, the series 
opens and ends on you, but I want to speak specifically to uh, the the first episode. Did you know that moment in the like in the snowy woods where it's that race between you and the guy to get the bullet? Did you know that was going to be the opening scene of the series? I certainly knew because I, uh, the thing about Taylor's work is that it arrives in its perfect form. It it arrives as it's going to be on the on the. And you don't want to change a word. You don't want to cut anything. You don't want to add anything. It arrives absolutely in its dramatic form perfectly. So I didn't know because I didn't read a script when I accepted the role. I oh. had, I had, ne- I had not read a script. Um, all I knew was that, um, where it was going to be placed sure. and, and the rough idea of what the story was, mm. but no script. So I, I sort of jumped in at the, deep end, you know, mm. not knowing really what I was jumping into. Um, and when I got the first script and I opened it and there was that scene, mm. I thought, oh my God. This oh boy. Is... Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Yes. Well, I wasn't, we because I wasn't sure if that was something, obviously mm. that, that scene, uh, we get the full context of it in episode three. So yes. I thought maybe once you film that, he was like, ooh, let me, no, let me no. play around here. It was, it was in wow. the construction okay. of the script right from the beginning. Absolutely. And this is what I mean about Taylor's work. He has, um, an amazing sense of um, of, of dialogue, just of, of, of natural dialogue. So it's, you know, nothing is out of place, um, but also a sense of dramatic structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, mm. as I mentioned, that plays out in, in episode three, that uh, very uh, intense shootout. Uh, where members of the and the ambush, we call yes, it the yes, ambush. the ambush, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, where where members mm. of the the Dutton family are both killed uh, and and gravely injured. Take me a bit inside um, the the filming of that because it, it seems like it must have been pretty labor intensive. I, I would assume very specific choreography involved. Yes, uh, but done very quickly. You know, mm. we we shoot very very quickly. Um, we only have usually two to three occasionally four takes uh, 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 at any one time. We shoot with multiple cameras, which is great, and I love it. Um, But yes, and that is due to our incredible director, Ben Richardson, um, who absolutely choreographed the whole thing. And of course, you've got many horses, um, you know, you're dealing with many horses, you're dealing with... So we were up in a beautiful location that was perfect for the the scene. So... um, but there was a lot of running involved. I was going to say, yes, you, you were running a lot in that. Yeah, uh, there, yeah. there was another moment a bit later. I was like, he's, uh, he's, yeah. he's got her on a treadmill yeah, or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. But you yeah. know what, what I found so interesting about uh, Cara, which, I mean, we see the, the, the very first scene, but then, you know, as we backtrack and, and get back to the ambush and, and so much more, um, you just see how strong and capable she is, which I, I have to imagine uh, you would not have been as interested if this was a, a subservient housewife. No, I wouldn't. But, you know, by then I wouldn't have had a choice. I would have had to make the best of <laughs> sure. it because I didn't know what was coming. Yeah. I I mean, I have to say, I, you know, I knew Taylor's work from other um, materials, obviously Yellowstone, you know, Wind River, Carico. Um, uh, Helen High Water, mm-hmm. and I knew that he or he he's incapable of writing sort of simplistic, um, obvious characters. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I felt pretty confident confident about that. Um, and I think 
um, just just the nature of of who they are and where they are, mm -hmm. you know, that it forces a a, a kind of um, independence and 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 a strength of character um, and a physical strength. They couldn't have existed in that in that mm -hmm. environment without it. I've, I was the one who added the Irish to it. I asked her, Taylor if it would be all right if I played her Irish. She said, absolutely, that would be fine. Um, because I, I've always felt watching Westerns, everybody speaking in American mm -hmm. accents, <laughs> they were from all over the, right. all, you know, all over the world. Mm -hmm. They were Croatian, they were Moldovian, they were German, they were Portuguese, they were Basques, they were Irish, they mm -hmm. were Jewish, they were, you know, this incredible mix of cultures and accents and, and, and all of them, you know, fighting for existence, coming from very, very, impoverished, dif dig difficult backgrounds. Um, the Irish famine had not been long before. Mm -hmm. I think it was at the late 19th century, the Irish famine. So in, in my character's background, you know, there would have been her knowledge of, of great, great suffering, mm -hmm. um, which would have had driven her to the, you know, to the new country. Mm -hmm. um, you just look at what they experienced on the boats coming over, just mm -hmm. that, to have gone through all of that. Um, you know, this was uh, an extraordinary generation. Indeed, I I could not imagine living in that time. I, d no, I don't think I would have uh, lasted very long. And as I say, it was mm. not that long ago. Right. You know. Yeah. 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 And those are the touches I love seeing, uh, you know, as, as we see when they go to town, the, yes. the dishwasher, the, the, washing, or the, the no, washing machine, the, dishwasher, right, the, the washing, washing machine, machine, the refrigerator. Dishwashers came much um, later. Yeah. The, um, but the washing machine, yes. Yeah. Like, a, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That's how I feel first felt when I saw GPS for the first time. <laughs> yeah. like, I felt as, as she Don't feels, have to flip through a paper map no, anymore. I, yeah. I felt like it's she wonderful. feels looking at the... Uh, yeah. the washing machine for yeah. the first time. And Jacob trying his hardest to resist uh, modernizing, but but it's you know it's inevitable. It's got to happen, of course. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's difficult. The shock of the new is, mm. is always very difficult. Yeah. Um, and look at us now, you know, looking at AI, yeah. the shock of the new, yeah. going, oh, what? Yeah. Still don't have those flying cars we were promised, but <laughs> no, perhaps soon enough. <laughs> perhaps yeah, soon enough. Don't. Yeah. Um, well, you know, speaking to Kara, uh, it it um, it makes me think a, a lot of the the many strong and bold and brave and ambitious, uh, steadfast characters that you uh, have played through the years, and yet Kara still seems uh, very unique when you line her up with. Uh, you know, others you have played. She does. I mean, I think the thing to remember, number one, is that is that it, it's the f it's the flaws in characters that mm. makes them in interesting. Mm -hmm. Sure, strong, sure, brave, sure, all of that. But it's the flaws that make characters really, mm. really interesting to play, and I think interesting to watch. Um, what, what was Kara's so fall you were interested in? I think we're going to, uh, you know, maybe find it, you ah. know, uh, maybe find it. Uh -huh. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Um, but um, there's certainly a little bit of a fire there that I wonder if, if uh, well, we, we perhaps Jacob saw a little bit of it. There was an episode eight wondering if she had gotten a little too far ahead of him. Um, yes. But yes. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, you know, one of the beautiful things that, that Taylor has done is written this beautiful relationship between mm -hmm. a, a man and his wife, a, a wife and her husband, uh -huh. a man and, and his wife. 
um, and you really feel the the length and breadth of their relationship. Yes. Um, and you know that's that's tough. Although um, Harrison and I uh, played husband and wife many many yeah. many years <laughs> ago, we didn't. It wasn't a husband and wife with this sort of intimacy that that Taylor Sheridan has written, created. And you know, you're I'm walking on the set, and there's. Harrison Ford, <laughs> you know, and I have to treat him like my husband, you know, mm. um, with all of the sort of um, familiarity right. and, you know, uh, and the annoyance and <laughs> all of those natural mm-hmm. things that, you know, you have with your wife or your husband. Um, and you have to create that relationship very quickly, you know, mm. because you're on the set, bang, you've got to look as though you've mm. been together for 40, 50 years, 60 mm-hmm. years, you know. Um, but there I had the great advantage of working with Harrison, mm-hmm. who, who just has this very natural sort of um, presence on the screen, gravitas, and mm-hmm. um, uh, just as there's a great sense of reality of, of Harrison on the screen, I, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Well, with this character so far, uh, in, in the eight episodes we've had so far, what, what, uh, <clears throat> what have you kind of do as an actor that previous roles haven't given you the opportunity to explore? Well, certainly to play a character who is as as attached and influenced by the environment, by the landscape, the environment, as Kara is. And and on the, on the last day of shooting, it's very cold. It's like minus 25 degrees, oh, wind wow. chill. We were up on this bare mountain um, hillside, and it was un- unbelievably cold. And it was the last day, and I stood there to sort of say goodbye to the landscape. And I thought, gosh, I can't wait to be back here. Mm. As uncomfortable as it was, <laughs> as challenging, mm-hmm. as difficult, I couldn't wait mm. to be back. And I think that that's... That that's the nature of these characters as well. You know, they they are in the process of putting the roots down that mm-hmm. eventually will go down very very deep. Yes. Um, but they are the generation that is first sort of putting those roots in the ground and watering them and you know making sure they stick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, was that last day the last scene that we yeah. see with, um, the, with the letter? It was one that she of the crumbled? last. Yes, yeah. it was one of the last scenes. Yes, yeah. it was absolutely. Hmm. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting yeah. Spencer's arrival. Yes. Let me say, <laughs> aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> aren't we all? <laughs> Everyone. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I can't yes. wait to can't wait for yeah. season two for for that specifically. Um, when I spoke with your, uh, you never share scenes with her because she was in a different series, but your on screen sister in law Faith Hill mm. um, for 1883, she she said, you know, vanity was out the door for for that project. Did you feel the same here? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. It's not about that mm-hmm. uh, on any level, nor should it be, because it certainly wasn't about that for those people right. at that time, you mm-hmm. know. And that's what's interesting mm-hmm. about the story and the characters mm-hmm. is, is sure, how they look in the sense of how they look authentic, right. you know. Right. Um, that's obviously very, very important. I mean, when I was doing my costume fittings and I had, you know, quite a few costume fittings and one lovely dress after well lovely within the context of what they were mm-hmm. um 
but then I, you know, I suddenly thought, no, she should have one, maybe two dresses. Right. You know, certainly dress for going into town, mm -hmm. and then that beautiful uh, blue. Then yes, and then mm -hmm. a and then a dress for at home, and maybe one other, but mm -hmm. you know, not a wardrobe full of you know changes. Right. I'm um, glad you thought of that because there are so many times I watch shows, and for certain characters, are like. They're talking about struggling to get by, but they have they amazing have, they wardrobe, have amazing don't they? Wardrobe. <laughs> they have so many yeah. clothes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You want to see them repeat their clothes yeah. because that's yes. what we do in real yes, life. So I'm glad right. you said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, well, when uh, we were talking about the the letter that um, Car was writing to Spencer, um, but the but earlier in the series, uh, you're you're writing one to him or journaling, as you call it, but. Not really, because that seems too narcissistic, I yeah, think, was yeah. the line. Um, you know, Car explains to Elizabeth that you're doing it for purpose, to have something to do to take your mind off of everything else, I suppose. Um, later, uh, I believe it's the next episode, we see Jack elaborating um, on Car's purpose. He's speaking with Elizabeth after she's uh, miscarried. Um, but to the to the point of uh, you know a, a character's purpose is that something you think a lot about as you're developing uh, you know who who a person is. The process in in this is is really interesting. It's, it's something I've never been a part of before. In the in the sense that the creation of the character, of the future of the past of the character, and of the future of the character is an ongoing developing thing. Mm. You know, certainly it's it's completely true to life in the sense of I don't, I didn't know what you were going to be like coming here. You know, mm. I, sure. it wasn't something I'd read and rehearsed. Mm -hmm. um, and life is like that. Life is a, is a constant sort of um, improvisation and, and a surprise. And, and so I love that element in doing this kind of work, it, not knowing what's coming down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Because it seems to me that's how life is. Yeah. Um, and it because, but in 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 terms of acting, it it does become a sort of extraordinary adventure of 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 creativity as you go along, sort mm -hmm. of thing. You can't um, uh, you can't come to this sort of work with with a very clear cut dis decision about this. It's going to be like this and. Mm -hmm. Um, you have to be open and uh, to 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 changes and um, you know mutability, if you sure. like. Mm -hmm. um, well, it makes sense. I mean, and and of course, very different than something like the Queen, where you know Queen Elizabeth. Oh, very purpose. different. Absolutely, That's very, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Her, her purpose was. That's a perfect there analogy to yeah. you know knowing her history, mm -hmm. who she is. We know what she sounds like, what she looks like, what she walks like. Um, you know, her clothes, the, mm -hmm. the order in which she puts her clothes on, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and what her future will be, right. you know, down to the coronation. I mean, not yeah. the coronation, the, 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 you know, the funeral. Right, right. Everything mm -hmm. planned. Yeah. Cara is the absolute opposite. Nothing is planned. Yeah. Nothing is planned. Yeah. Well, here's something I wonder if this was planned or if it's something else that we will learn. Car uh, and Jacob have no children. Um, so w what can you say about that? Is, is that anything that you've discussed with Taylor? And what does that bit of information about her, how did that inform your, your portrayal? Women in that generation were very much expected to have right, children. Right. 
um, women maybe of all generations are always sort of expected mm -hmm. to have children. And a lot of women don't have children mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Um, you know, whether nature has stopped them, um, their, their own bodies have stopped them. Mm -hmm. um, certainly in that era, you know, you go to any um, uh, cemetery and it's full of children. Right, yeah. Um, from, you know, from six months to sort of 11, 12. Mm -hmm. um, and especially in the first five, four or five years of life, so many children died. So many women died in child childbirth, mm -hmm. incidentally. Um, um, so, um, you know, we don't know the exact history of that, whether... Um, uh, I don't think it could have been a choice as such, because mm -hmm. you get the sense that, that she and Jacob had a sort of, were very sexually in love with each other mm -hmm. and, and um, you know, enjoyed that. But I, I also get the sense that they enjoyed their, when it became clear that they were not going to have children, the freedom that that gave them to pursue their lives in a different mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's, it's, it's sort of evident. You don't, I don't think, and I don't have children, um, and I don't have this sense of loss in my life at all, mm -hmm. I have to say. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have a sense of grieving of the fact that I didn't have children. Mm -hmm. So I guess to a certain extent, I'm putting myself into Cara on that level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and of course, she did become a, a surrogate mother and to, to her nephews. And she becomes a surrogate mother, absolutely, yeah. very yeah. much so, and, mm. and, a, and a fierce supporter of the family. Yes. Um, yeah. As I am within my family, incidentally. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. my husband has boys and, um, you know, I'm a fierce supporter mm -hmm. of of that family. Yeah. I did find it interesting. Um, oh my gosh. And her name is uh, slipping me now. Um, Marley Shelton's character. Yes. Um, yes. yes. She, she does incidentally uh, kind of throw it in Kara's face uh, in the midst of her own grief. Yes. Of course. Yes. But I thought the way Kara, she's like, nope, that, not going to. Yes. I, not I understand her situation. Understand, I'm not going to. Oh, I understand that. your attitude. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Of course, Kara is now of an age, you know, where, where um, and then they do talk about the wisdom of older age. Mm. And as I do get older, I kind of begin to know what they're talking about because mm. you have seen, you know, you, you're, you, you begin to have seen so much in your life mm -hmm. of tragedy, of triumph, of disaster, of, you know, pain, of mm -hmm. joy. Um, and it does give you a certain wisdom. Yeah. Well, you know, something I found so uh, fascinating about the, this series as a whole is how there are three very separate storylines going on yes. uh, that are so wonderfully constructed yes. on their own. And of course, we're we're waiting to see how those are yes. going to converge. Yes. But um, did, did you have to I, I assume you had to wait for the episodes to be done to even see what was going on with Spencer or to see what was going on with yes, that, that horrible school. Yes, yes, Ugh. absolutely. That terrible school that is a part of American history. Yeah. I didn't know anything about that. No. As, as there's so much in, in our history that we don't know about. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know about that. And then reading that in the script, of course, I immediately looked it up and saw, yes, mm. that is, you know, our... Our ability to be cruel to children um, is was extraordinary in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. You know the way um, 
you know, children in Britain were treated as literally as slaves. They were not uh, bought slaves, but they well, they were in a way. They were sort of indentured, which mm-hmm. is a way of you know buying a life. In India to this day, mm-hmm. you know, children are enslaved. Um, so we are capable of massive cruelty to children, often in the name of 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 culture, of religion, of sophistication, of um, uh, you know, um, I can't think of the right word, but uh, civilization. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, as I said, can't wait mm. to see where uh, where all this goes and how it comes together. I just have to note, I, I, I'm so happy you're here because it, and maybe this is just an outsider's perspective. It seems like you were so busy. You, you of course, you've Shazam, Fury of the Gods, yeah. was just out. Fast 10 is coming up. Uh, White Bird, Golda, I know, has been, has been filmed. Uh, you are the narrator in Barbie, correct? I, I do appear. Uh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yeah, as myself, sort of yes. thing. Yes, got it. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, What's the reality of how busy you are? Are you, is it the busiest you've been? No, it's not the busiest Mm. I've been, no. I mean, the busiest I've been was when I was shooting film in the day and doing theater at night. Oh, (laughs) That was brutal. That was like, that was by far the busiest I've ever been. I hope the, I hope the scripts didn't bleed into each other when you're on stage remembering film lines. No, they didn't, but it was um, unbelievably exhausting. Um, But, so no, um, and and I think post COVID, you know, that there is a a great feeling of wanting to be creative again, mm, and, mm. and you know, get out there and and walk the walk and talk the talk and suffer the suffer that you have mm. to suffer, um, uh, and do the thing. Um, so um, and a lot of these were sort of little things. I mean, I, I love, I just love the variety. Yeah. I did win an Emmy, incidentally. For being a game show host. Yes. <laughs> yes. A children's game show yeah. host for the Harry, the Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah. Yes. It was, that was so fun. It was great. Mm. Um, I love doing that. So, uh, yes, yes, it's very, very, <laughs> that's a yeah. variety for sure. Well, I mean, you bring that up, you know, it, it's, uh, it's funny, of course, because it feels like you're about the only British actor who didn't appear in the movies, but you got to I host know, the show. Exactly. Yeah. I know, exactly. I know. You got to host the game show, Shame but now them. that they're going to do the scripted series, Oh, that one, uh, are they? Ooh, yes, they really? just are they Good. official. I think now might be your time. I get my witch's hat to get in the, yeah. exactly. Fitted, yeah, exactly. Get my Maybe we'll gym, gender flip and you're Dumbledore. Oh, would that be cool? Uh, that would be great. I think you should Dumbledora. Dumbledora. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, look, this is this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Thank Congratulations you. on the series. Thank and, you. Uh, Looking forward to the many things you have coming up. Okay, great. (laughs) Thank you. Well, uh, I know I say this with a lot of people on this podcast, but I I truly could have spoken with her all day. She's so lovely, wonderful, uh, very humble and, um, you know, gracious actress uh who who loves what she does mm-hmm. and loves to get to you know the chance to bring these characters to life i did find it very interesting and i cannot wait to see where it goes that she said i don't think we've seen kara's big flaw yet i want to know what's going to be like I the know. thing that eats away at this character that we uh you know get to see her Ooh, i mean I as if there weren't enough struggles in her life there's going to be something you know <laughs> exactly a character flaw something internal <laughs> and- yeah I, or maybe it's 
you know, her devotion to her family at all costs that could create, you know, who yeah. knows, who knows? But I, yeah, they, the, the Duttons don't have no, it easy. Not at all. So of course they, they have it easier than uh, Tiana and some of the Native American characters, right. but perhaps, perhaps the, uh, they will, as we said, I hope they uh, overlap at some point. I'd love to see those. Indeed. Actors yeah. Together. And to your point, I mean, you know, I, I did say to her, well, maybe, I guess, like, I don't know if impatience is the right word, but, you know, she got ahead of Jacob there at the end uh, in in some dealings Mm -hmm. that she did, uh, and he wasn't really happy about it, but he was also a little incapacitated and couldn't... uh, she she had to do exactly. what she had to do. So, you know? so I wonder though if exactly what you just said, she had to do what she had to do. If that's going to be uh, not her not her takedown, but something that gets the best of her at some point, um, right? We will right. we will see. She suspects uh, they'll be uh, filming later this summer into the fall, so it'll probably be around winter. Fingers crossed that we get season two of this. All right. uh, We have one more break for you. And then we have one more interview. So don't go anywhere after this quick break. The stars of CBS sitcom Ghosts. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Awardist. All right, we are going to get right into this next interview. It's the stars of the CBS sitcom Ghosts, Utkarsh Ambedkar and Rose McIver, speaking with our Patrick Gomez. Rose Utkarsh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, listeners of The Awardist will know that not just me, but uh, our uh, TV senior editor, Sam Heifel, are both such huge fans of the show, uh, I think we manifested this interview into existence because uh, we were talking about how much uh, we hope that ghosts get some attention this Emmys uh, season. Um, and so we are just so grateful that you're here on the show. Thank you. Thanks very much. It's, we're happy to be here, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so obviously we're mid uh, season two run right now. Um, but I want to jump back and, and start off at the very beginning. As Julie Andrews says, it's a very good place to start. Mm-hmm. And uh, and hear from each of you kind of what your journey to ghosts was had you heard of the uk series how did the project come uh into your world and and what the process was like getting getting to filming that pilot um i auditioned like pilot season just sort of mad audition land um i loved it i thought the script was great and i just i really liked the joes when i met them my friend trent was directing um and it all just felt like it was exciting to read something that made me laugh on the page. Um, I auditioned and booked it and we had uh, just done our table read on March 13th. So we, uh, 2020. So we um, obviously had a bit of a hiatus before we shot, but that hiatus ended up working out very well in our favor because we were able to get Utkash on board um, who came and joined us for the pilot in the December that year. And um and it's been like there were a few key cast members that had not been cast at that moment. So that's the one little silver lining that we definitely appreciate from the pandemic. My road, my journey begins and starts with Rose McIver. That's pretty much it's pretty much you, dude. She not coercing, but Rose was just like was a huge fan of her work on Woke um, and Rose sort of. Yeah, she sold me on it. She was like, we need you. You got to come do it. And that sort of um, combined with the pandemic and being desperate to want to work and being really tickled by the BBC version of Ghosts. Um, 
brought me on board. And luckily, by the time I sort of figured it out that I wanted to be a part of the the production, there was still an opening. And Rose and I read. We had a chemistry read on Zoom in front of a bunch of, you know, blank faces who were all making decisions. Um, and they're all gone. And we're still here, Rose. <laughs> um yeah, and we hit it off, and now here we are, two two years later. Episodes we've shot, buddy. Huh? Forty episodes. Forty, yeah, forty episodes. We're starting season three. Hope you know, pretty soon here, and it's just uh, it's an amazing gift to be part of uh, a company that is um, this well received and that likes each other as much as we do. Rose, what was it about Utkarsh that you felt like was a, a right fit for Ghosts? I honestly, I'd, I'd seen him rap and I'd seen him in a couple of things. And I was like, this guy just has an energy and a quality that is so um, palpable. And so like it jumps out off the screen at you. And I was like, you know, Sam's husband is a dangerous role. Like it could easily be somebody who um, had, was either really skeptical or hesitant or sort of like a naysayer or somebody who was too accommodating and too um, – sort of needing in need of a backbone. So I just thought Utkash had like this magic, magic source that would be like really um, visceral on screen. And he does. And we're really lucky. And it's, and I think, you know, it's, he's the person who kind of keeps Sam in line as much as he sets her, like sends her forth on this journey. And he's so excited. He's also kind of the voice of reason and the person who's like leveling her and, she needs both those things, and um, the ghosts definitely need those qualities in their now kind of they're sort of parents. parents it seems yeah, parents. To say. Like you know, there's a lot of them that would be um, probably much more informed than us. But yeah, it's we're sort of like the parents of the house, and I think we have a nice like uh, mother and father quality there that balances together well. What I love is that sometimes sometimes you're the parents, but sometimes you, sometimes you are the kids, and, and learning yeah. from them, which is which is nice. Um, we're definitely learning from them. <laughs> Uh, walk me through, uh, I, I find particularly in comedies that the cast can kind of start to dictate a little bit of the direction of the characters because you want to play to people's strengths. Um, so obviously you film the pilot, you start to develop these characters. How do you feel like the show evolved over those first few episodes as you all started to realize where the magic was in terms of uh, your your characters and the way that you all portrayed them? Um. You go, buddy. Uh, it's such a good question. You know, I have to say, if I'm being honest, it was pretty formed on day one. Like, we're very lucky that every member of the cast <clears throat> has such a strong character. The choices that they're making from, you know, from Hetty to Trevor and Thorfinn, Flower, like every single one of them could have a standalone episode. That was pretty evident right out the gate. I think that what we learned for Sam and Jay is that when we are in unison, when we're sort of teamed up either against a neighbor like the Farnsby's or in pursuit of a feather duster on Halloween, when Sam and Jay are working together, our relationship gets to sing a lot more as opposed to like some of the old tropes of sitcoms like this, where the two couples are kind of where the couple is always in contention with one another I think the first couple episodes we had a few spats and we were like, it's just way more fun when we're on the same page mm -hmm. and trying to either go against someone or go for something together. So um, I think Sam and Jay found their way in that regard. 
Yeah. And I think that the, you know, the amount that we all listen to each other and kind of we're defined by the people that we're on screen with. It's, it's like, you know, our relationships, our characters are built by the relationships that we have around us in so many ways. And, and having this ensemble where each time you get paired with a different person, it brings out another facet to a character that I agree was already very strongly written, but there's just so much to explore the more we kind of go on. And, uh, you know, I, I think that goes in every direction, the listening, like us listening to the writing, us listening to what they're trying to achieve, us listening to our co-stars, the writers listening to us and seeing what works and what bumps. Um, it's just, it's it's like quite an organic process of, you know, now being, as we say, 40 episodes in and kind of still making discoveries and 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 kind of learning what to lean into and what's boring. Like, you know, like Utkash said, there's moments where you're just like, you don't want to see these two at each other's throat constantly. That doesn't work. But um, instead kind of keeping and and uh, bottling those moments of when they're going to have a genuine conflict for it to have high stakes again. Um, those, yeah, those things are all sort of discoveries we're making along the way, and I think it's getting stronger and stronger because of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Roman, also Roman Saragossa with um, Sasapis. He has a lot of input into the <clears throat> mythology of that character and sort of how culturally the um, the footprint that we want to leave with that character on the show. And Alberta as well, Danielle, she's done wonders for Alberta's backstory musically, sort of mm-hmm. where she's coming from creatively, the stuff about the murder um, and the writers and the writer's room, the two Joes and our huge room of amazing writers have been really great at sort of... Um, compromising and communicating like we they do listen yeah i mean it's it's really cool that we've been we've been able to build these things together you'll see a lot more of jay being a part of the ghosts adventures because of those chats with the joes where i'm like dude just let me in like let me let me do it let me do, i don't care if she's translating like let, let me just do it i want to be there with them um and then being like oh yeah i guess I guess you are. You you should be yeah, there. There've been such cool moments where you're able to um, to communicate with them in creative ways. Now it's like all of those um, parameters when we look at them as like guidelines to like push us into something something else and something more creative. And um, they've they've really found some new ways to open up your role and and both of our roles in in right. in how they kind of um, function in this house. Besides just you know Sam's not just a conduit. She's hopefully got her own. As much, as much as that is a lot of what she publishes. She's, she's a does have, novelist now. She's got a book deal. She's got a book deal, whether she should have or not. <laughs> it's all built on hype. But, but that's what I love about the way that Sam is going is like she can bend the rules morally. Like because of the ghosts, they do mm-hmm. affect her. They I was do. saying, yeah, someone asked me where, what they think has changed, you know, that I didn't expect about Sam. And I was like, I hadn't expected her to be such a liar. She's such a liar. And it's out of necessity a lot of the time. You know, she has to lie to the people around and pretend she can't see ghosts. But um, it's kind of woken up quite a deviant side to Sam that I don't think she really would have had um, otherwise. Uh, yeah, I love when she's like um, <clears throat> reading all the congratulatory messages on Facebook oh. about something that's not real yeah. and genuinely being like, oh, my God, it's so sweet. Everyone's yeah. so supportive. Yeah, and he's just funny. like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's it's really cool to see how Rose has been able to take that on. It's really fun. It's, comedically, it's like a great space to to be able to play in. Well, as 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 much as, as working on any show has its technical aspects, this show comes with a whole added set 
of parameters and ways that you have to shoot it. We see we see that shots are done multiple times, multiple ways, given that, you know, the ghosts are visible to Sam, uh, but not to Jay and, and all of that sort of stuff. So, so walk me through what it's been like to navigate how to film these scenes multiple ways with, with different numbers of people involved. I think you just don't want the technical to override the creative. Like it's, it is a very technical show and there are so many um, logistic elements like that. Like, yeah, whether it's matching eye lines or um, energy levels when people are and aren't on set is very different. Whether it's, um, you know, like remembering the, the sort of placement as somebody barrels past you, whatever those, those things are, you just don't want that to get in the way of all of the fun. It should, it should, it should be invisible and it should be, innocuous um all of that technicality so hopefully just not taking up so much time that people don't get a chance to play or give alt reads or um do those things which which you know when there's 10 people in a cast not very many people like we have the most patient group of an ensemble who might have one line in a scene and have to do all of everything with everybody every time and it's it's um just making sure that everybody feels like respected to get their chance to do like their fun bit, basically. And to, to that, I think, and Rose brings it up often, we, preparation is key for a show like this. And we are, we have benefited greatly from our directors being extremely prepared. Mm-hmm. Our DP, our crew, our camera department, everybody kind of knows how to shoot the show. We have, we have um, Ghosts Pass and then in French, Saint Fantôme, which is Ghostless. We sort of know what angles we're getting. The our um, Daniel and um, Simone, our A camera op, they know exactly where to go and where to shift, and it's um it's really a testament to the preparation of our directors. Um, yeah, that, that we get as much done in the short amount of time that we have. I agree, and for all those, all of those, like the camera operators, the sound designers and operators, it's like there's so much. Um, when something's technically challenging, actors can be the people who are like least impacted by that. And you know, there are so many people who are waiting to hear if a line is improvised and do they need to move their boom over and get it in time. And it's like it's hard. It's a it's a challenging job, but everybody seems to have a good time at work. And um, I really think we pride ourselves on that. Is that we we want it to be like a a an environment where all the good hard work goes appreciated not um not just kind of oh that's just another another job we're always try, very aware that it's hard to do what they do yeah there's a lot of donuts mm. a lot of donuts we have a lot of donut days and coffee days <laughs> coffee truck days no wonder everyone's excited to be at work uh <laughs> You know, Jay is kind of a keeper of the mythology. He always writes things down when something new is is discovered about about the the ghost mythology. Um, as a group, do you all feel like you have to spend time like sitting down? Like, okay, this is how that works because we don't want to unintentionally add mythology, or is there backwards thinking of like you did that that one time and now we're just going to make that part of part of something that's doable or not? Uh, walk me through that aspect of this show continuing to grow and evolve. That's like Rose and Rebecca's bread and butter right there. I got no, I have no, no dog in that race, but I know you guys very much. Um, they're very keen on that. But also I'm all quite aware that like, I, it's nice that I don't actually have to be because that's the writers. <laughs> they, they have like a Bible of all of the details of it. And I'm so um, thrilled to just hopefully show up and it's just consistent and it makes sense. And there's going to be times when it's not because it's a fun 
you know, a comedy series where we're not going to sacrifice great humor at the cost of like some very, very minor detail that people maybe wouldn't even remember from one episode in season one. So I think they, the, the Joes do a great job of striking the balance of like what's worth um, adhering to. And it's pretty consistent, I think, in our show compared to various shows I've worked on. Um, but then also, you know, knowing when to play jazz. And if they miss something, Rebecca lets them know. And, <laughs> and it's all good. It's very helpful when you have 10 people. If they miss something, Twitter lets them know. So that's true. Twitter, yeah, Twitter will tell you. That's um, well. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, this show does have such a fervent fan base, and it's so nice to see. Uh, uh, you know that that's a rare thing that happens. So, one, I'd like to hear from you all about like how you started to realize. Like, obviously, the ratings are one thing, but the you could have a lot of people watching the show, but for them to react to it and be passionate about it in the way that they are has been so exciting to see myself being one of them. Uh, so what was it like to realize that the show is getting that sort of following? Um, and uh, what has like surprised you uh, about fans like really latching on to? Well, I think what was so satisfying about season one for me was watching the fans be like, where was um, Sasapis in that episode? Where was Flower? Where's Hetty? Like in season one, not all of us were series regulars. Um, and to see fans really force all of the ghosts to be on the show, right? We're all series regulars now. We're all in every episode. That is 100% a product of the fans demanding it. And when you can look at your peers like Rebecca, Roman, and you're like, yeah, we... And, and to feel the validation on their behalf that now we've become like a true ensemble. We're there every day together. It was deeply satisfying and 100% a product of, of fan involvement. Right? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I just second that. I think um, the fans on this show have been so vocal and supportive and it's scary when you start a show that is an adaptation from a UK property and, you know, such a beloved one that we're all genuinely huge fans of. Um, but we've been really, really lucky that people have been willing to kind of explore us as our own thing. And, um, and I think, you know, I'm proud of what we've created. I don't think it is an imitation of a show. I think it took a very similar premise and it's built its own sort of life around that. And, um, you know, we were fortunate enough to have Matt Bainton, who was one of the creators and stars of the original Ghosts, come and do an episode this season. And it's like their royalty to us. You know, it was amazing having them with us and, and for them to kind of, any like m sort of little morsels of compliments of like, yeah, we really like what you did with that episode is like, it just feels like mum and dad have signed off. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's like no matter who you put together in a room, it's if you're truly collaborating, everybody's different energies make something its own beast. So I think that's what's happened with us is um, we've woken up all different kinds of conversations and um, cultural conversations and, sort of you know being said in america it's it's going to be its own thing so versus the bbc yeah. yeah we also have done how many more episodes do you know done a lot of episodes i don't know how many no i know four or they... five times the amount that the BBC <laughs> just by nature of how the programming is so they did, they did four seasons 27 episodes total <laughs> okay mm. so you're past it well past yeah. it yeah there it is there it is well, uh, plenty of time for them to all come cameo. If anybody wants to come say hi, God, we'd love them. Please. One of the things that I was not worried about, but curious about when the show started was, okay, well, you've kind of got a finite cast here. 
Um, but the nature of the bed and breakfast allows you to have so many guests and even guest ghosts, which you continue to find creative ways uh, mm-hmm. to to bring onto the show. Uh, talk to me about having these guest stars come in. Um, one of the one of the really fun things I think about um, sitcoms are the chance that you get to work with uh, these these fantastic guests uh, week after week. We're so lucky. I mean, the the standard, the caliber of these people who come in and just elevate everything. I'm, you know, I think of us as a pretty welcoming group. We really want to be. We've all been guest stars on a million things, and we know how it can feel to to walk onto somebody's show and want to be. Um, want to integrate straight away and be part of be part of it and I think like you know we've been really lucky the the people who've come through I mean Ashley comes to mind who just played Alberta's descendant Ashley D. Kelly is so talented and um, to have somebody like her come in and and her and Danielle went the extra mile working so hard to a very very limited time to make the music sing the way that it did and have the impact that it had um yeah, it's like everybody has has just come in and treated our little show with so much love, and um, I hope that we continue to foster that by, like, you know, giving it back. Uh, watching you watch her sing uh, <laughs> was it, your face just lights up in a way that it was it was that's just a beautiful little silent moment um, for Thanks. for your character. <laughs> there were a couple of takes where I tried to sing along, um, didn't go quite so well. <laughs> Um, well, you mentioned the ad libbing and things like that. Like, walk me through what that process is like for you all. Um, is it is everyone doing it all the time? Is it something everyone talks out a lot, or or are there are there like true moments where you're just like, well, this scene went off the rails? You know, because it's such a technical show, the moments for it honestly, it depends if we're making our day or not. It really depends on what the time on the clock is. And if there's a little bit extra time, you always feel a little freer. And in those moments, there is space to pitch. Well, maybe he'd say this or can I try that or to do a little like, you know, inside joke on on our coverage. So it really um, they're always open to it. But we have 22 minutes to fill and it is a tight 22. So um, most of the time, as I've said in previous interviews, when we're improvising or sort of going off the cuff, it is strictly for the enjoyment and pleasure of the crew. Uh, like our job is to just make them crack up so that they're out all of our days, but specifically theirs goes by a little smoother, faster and, and funnier. They give it to us a little bit though. <laughs> yeah. It makes you really selective about what you're going to pitch. You know, that like it, it's either for the value of the people around you and it's cause you can afford the time or it's really brilliant and it's going to, um, really elevate things because yeah with the shooting with and without ghosts and all of the technical elements you spoke about there's just it's it's not a workshop you know uh knowing we'll at least have one more episode out before this will be out in the public what can you tease for us in terms of what's coming uh for the rest of this this season well jay is a hell of a detective right that's what we're teasing we I'm have detective baby yeah, we have some very good detective moments. Um, all you true crime podcast listeners out there will love our second to last episode. Um, we also, we do get a little bit of Sam's family. We get to think about some of Sam's oh, family. Oh, yeah. Um, which is pretty uh, pretty exciting for me. Um, and what else do we have? We've got, oh, it's just twists and turns, adventure. I mean, the, the, there's a big cliffhanger. People are in for... Um, a hell of a wait. We are. It's actually harder for us who know how the season ends 
in January and have to wait all this time to yeah, know what's going to happen. happen. <laughs> we don't know. So um, hopefully we'll get some answers soon. I love it. I love it. Well, I thank you both so much uh, for this time and for giving us ghosts. Uh, this is uh, so fun. We're excited to get this out into the world uh, and make sure that people are paying attention to ghosts. Thank uh, you. And can't wait for season three. Thank they you. We so are. Much. We love see you guys. Thank yeah. you for paying attention. Yeah. Like, it is the people show. We got all of you guys are watching and, and we see you and we love you. Thanks so much. I love that they make ghosts funny because, you know, we're often seeing ghosts in, in horror and stuff like that. And, and there's something comical to be found in this situation uh, with their, you know, their haunted bed and breakfast. Yeah, I mean, I, I do appreciate that uh, they handle it so well. The characters like, uh, you know, Rose's character, especially like I feel like I would have gone totally insane at this point, <laughs> yeah. even just because I would like some alone time. Um, and I do, I'm really impressed with how Utkarsh uh, has to do this acting where he's talking to Rose and there are like a hundred people behind him, not yeah, really, but you know, enough. 10 or 15 yeah. people behind him and he's not supposed to be seeing them. And yet you never, like, it's got to be so hard to do those scenes where he's like, trying to stay focused on Rose and not let his eyes glance anywhere to indicate that there's anyone else in the room. Like, because that I think would be the biggest challenge. Um, and he's also just very funny. Indeed, he really is. And you know, earlier we were talking about, you know, the straight up comedies, Abbott Elementary, Only Murders, Ghost is in mm -hmm. that category. Um, but Ghost is also in that very small category of the few remaining like network sitcoms. Um, I mean, there's, yeah. you know, there's, there's a handful of them, but certainly when it comes to the Emmys race, we don't hear about as many of them. And, uh, so it's nice to see another one out there, you know, thriving and, and doing well yeah. and, and, it, and they've got a fan base. Yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for, uh, broadcast TV as, uh, foolish as it may be. So it's nice to see nah. that. I'm right there with you, right there with you, Kristen. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining me. It's been great to have you back. Oh, I always enjoy chatting Emmys with you, and I'm sure we will have many more chats in the weeks oh, and you months just to come. <laughs> I'll have you back very soon, very soon indeed. Well, folks, that is it for this episode of The Awardist. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing here, please do follow, rate the podcast, and leave us an award-winning review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation with us going, you can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials. We're at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag me at Jared Hall, but I'm not verified anymore. We'll see you back here next week. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> this episode of the Awardist podcast is hosted by Jared Hall, produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio, edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.